All right, good morning. Snow day number two. I'm about to lose my mind. Bob, good morning. Sam, good morning. Listeners, good morning. Bob, how are you? I'm good. You know, uh, one day of this felt kind of nice to just kind of, uh, you know, hang up the typical routine and just kind of chill. That That's nice for a day, but now I'm going to be starting to get a little frustrated, I think, today, and then tomorrow will be full-on cabin fever if this continues, because... What, did we ever get a final tally on snow? I've, I've been hearing now upwards of a foot. Does that sound right, or is that a little high? There is a foot. There is a foot definitely right outside of my door here in Farragut. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. I've been on the. I've been on team. I hate snow for a long time. People call me a Scrooge. People call me a curmudgeon. But I feel vindicated. Sam, good morning. How are you, my friend? Good morning, guys. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, we've. I'm probably at about eight and a half or nine inches over here in in East Knoxville. Um, I'm kind of with you guys. You know, it, it felt like it was going to be fun, and then now that I'm just snowed in and well, football's over, and you know, maybe we got some college hoops, but it feels like it feels like I need this snow to melt, and I need to to get into the studio and I need to get back into my normal routine. Has anything happened in sports outside of the two NFL games that were both kind of clunkers again? Bad opening weekend, bad super wild card weekend for the NFL as not a lot of great games. Another NFC East team completely no-shows. Another NFC East team that won double-digit games has a coach that I think should be on the hot seat. And then, of course, the Steelers game was about what we thought it would be, where the Steelers are terrible and aren't a playoff team, but somehow keep making the playoffs, and then we have to watch them, but then they suck. And Have I missed anything else? 15 minutes ago, John, uh, Jason Kelsey told his teammates that he's retiring. Okay. Yeah, it seemed like to be the case last night as he was kind of emotional on the sidelines. I know a lot of people had talked about it. So he made it official. He said he's out yeah. there. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the Eagles are going to find themselves in a transitional period one way or the other, I believe. Uh, it seems it seems like that thing is rotten. By the way, 8.30 a.m., Stats My Will will come on and talk Florida with us. So if you want to talk some Tennessee basketball at 8.30, we're going to do a little interview with him here on Spaces. But, yeah, the, the Eagles seemed rotten to me. It seems like they are broken from the inside. Yeah, I, God, I. It is amazing to see how much of a an implosion has happened there in what a matter of what six seven weeks. Um, I mean, they were at one point ten and one, and they won a lot of close games, but still ten and one is ten and one in the NFL, and then to just fall apart the way they have. I know they've had a few injuries, but everybody in the NFL has to battle that. Um, I, I'm very, very surprised, uh, but I do think it's a reality that there's 
you know, the conversation of his, you know, Sirianni's lost the team. Is he going to lose his job? I'd say there's a, there's a real likelihood of that. Now it's, it's, it's hard to believe. Yeah. He and Mike McCarthy are in a similar boat just because they have good teams, but it seems like neither one of these coaches can get their team over the hump. I know Sirianni was just in the Super Bowl, but it seems like that was kind of a perfect storm. They had one of the easiest schedules of all time last year. If you go back and look look to see who they played and the quarterbacks they had to play. Of course, actually, in the playoffs, they they drew, I believe, what, the Giants in round two. And then Brock Purdy gets hurt at the beginning of game three. And they get to take advantage of the 49ers with no quarterback. Seems like that kind of caught up to them all year. Whenever we did talk sports from 12 to 3, me and Cody argued about that basically the last three months I kept telling him I thought the Eagles were fraudulent and he just kept saying the whole cliche of well they know how to win that's not a that's not a recipe for long-term success the whole know how to win thing and it seemed like that really ran out for them over the last two months and Jalen Hurts getting yelled at by Dallas Goddard on the sideline AJ Brown seems to be on the wrong side of a meltdown Sam, I don't know how you felt watching Kevin Byard get exposed, but I felt a little—I felt a little vindicated, at least a little bit about the trade because everyone <laughs> made fun of the Titans. And I was like, "It's a bad sign to me that the Eagles are trying to trade for Kevin Byard at this point in his career." You said you were smiling. I was smiling. I wow, you're am, a big time hater. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm a big time hater of the Eagles. I'm not gonna lie. I, I do not like Nick Sirianni. Uh, I, I think kind of. You know, once they they started hot this season and obviously made it to the Super Bowl last year, I feel like that's just been a, an entitled team, an entitled coach, an entitled fan base. And I think they got to that ten and one and thought it was just going to be right back to the Super Bowl, and everything comes crashing down. And obviously, they've got some, you know, some key pieces now. Like you know, like you're saying, that thing's kind of rotting a little bit. I mean, Kelsey retires. They've got some some key free agents and guys like. Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and DeAndre Swift. So Howie Roseman, for how how well he's done constructing that roster, he's got a little bit of work to do in terms of patching it back together this offseason. Yeah, the video of Sirianni came out last night or hit my timeline again with him taunting the Chiefs fans as he was walking off of the field in Arrowhead. And that's kind of the start of the free fall for them. And he just seems so unlikable when they lose. It's one of those things, like, if they win, he's a tough guy, he's the he's brash, and, wow, you can rally, he's so Philadelphia. And then when you start losing, you're like, well, this guy's a real jerk, a real moron. On the flip side yesterday, you had the, the Buffalo Bills continue their undefeated streak since Sean McDermott got exposed as, a, as an ally to Al-Qaeda. As a supporter <laughs> of Al-Qaeda, they continue to win as they dominated that Steelers team that shouldn't have been in the playoffs. Bob, were you impressed with the Bills, or did you even spend a second watching the game? Because I'll admit, I didn't watch a second. I didn't watch one single second of Bills Steelers. I watched uh, some of it, just namely because I was so tired of watching local weather coverage. And, uh, you know, it's like, hey, there's football on. I'm going to check it out. But once Buffalo got up 21 nothing, I'm not going to lie, I, I kind of stepped away <laughs> for a little bit because I was like, this is worse than I expected. And then I came back and saw the score was, what, 21-17. And um, I I still think it it feels to me, just based on what I did see of the game, because I rejoined the game at that point and watched it. I mean, it was never in doubt 
from where I sat, um, Buffalo was was clearly in charge. Josh Allen was uh, Josh Allen looked a little more like the uh, the the good Josh Allen to me. Um, you know, the one that doesn't take a lot of crazy risks and, and can be an absolute wagon when he's got everything going. Um, Pittsburgh's just, it's so, I don't care that they were even in the game still. And I say this out of, with all due respect to Steelers fans. I don't know how you do it being a fan of that team in its current state. That, that is such a hard watch right now. Um, I, I just, the, one of the, one of the most unattractive, unentertaining teams I've seen in, in quite a while. And that's saying something because um, I would even prefer to watch your guys Titans. No, too far. Over them. Too far. The Titans are just <laughs> as bad. Too far. The Titans stink. But yeah, Mike Tomlin continues his streak of losing in the playoffs. It's been a long time since he has won a game in the playoffs. He stormed off at a question about his contract. Threw a little fit there. So things aren't going well in Pittsburgh. It is funny to note that, you know, for all the talk about Alabama and the quarterbacks they've put in the league, both guys look really, really bad in the opening weekend. And also a note I saw that, you know, when you think about the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, you got one from Texas Tech, one from Louisville, and one Wyoming. Those are the class of at least the AFC, if not the entire NFL so it doesn't really matter where you go to school if you're a quarterback, I guess. The divisional round is my favorite round when it comes to the football. It's really my favorite weekend of uh, of sports, to be honest. And it is now set. We get Texans, Ravens, Packers, 49ers on Saturday, Bucks, Lions, Chiefs, Bills. Not going to lie, that seems a little uh, underwhelming when you're just looking at the matchups. we got three games. Or at least well, two games with a double-digit point spread. Ravens minus nine and a half. We'll just call it ten. Lions favored by six over the Bucks. Baker Mayfield shot to him from from the dead. He has risen and kind of revitalized his career. And then the, the Sunday evening special: Mahomes, Allen, round I guess three in the playoffs as the uh, the Chiefs and Bills try to get to the AFC Championship. Which game stands out to y'all? Um, honestly, I still, I'm, I'm still about chiefs and bills. I mean, the weather doesn't look like it's going to be a factor there in Buffalo. It's going to be cold, but that's about it. The, the early forecast doesn't show any, uh, you know, bad conditions in terms of snow or wind or anything like that. It will just be cold, which they, you know, all those players have proven they can deal with that. Um, that one interests me the most. Uh, I, I, I would say Lions and Bucks just because I'm kind of rallying around that Lions story. Um, but the other games have such a huge, you know, point spread to consider. And you never know, but I think those those are probably pretty fair assessments of how those games are going to play out. So I'd say the Sunday games are the ones uh, of greater interest to me right now. Yeah, the Lions, the Lions currently uh, America's team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That's who I'm rooting for, Sam. You as well? Yeah. Um, to me, honestly, I'm kind of looking at Packers 49ers. I always am super interested in how the one seed always responds. And I think that Packers team, obviously, you know, coming off of the insanely impressive performance against the Cowboys and, and Jordan Love, 
putting on a performance like that, I'm, I'm always kind of excited to see how the one seed looks coming off of the week of rest. You know, some teams it really helps, some teams it kind of it kind of hurts in a bad way. So I, I'm excited to see Jordan Love kind of put it to test against the best defense in the NFL. Any other NFL thoughts this morning? We're kind of waiting <clears throat> to see if Jim Harbaugh takes the Chargers job or gets offered the Chargers job. We're still waiting to see if uh, the Cowboys or Eagles make a move. Bill Belichick interviewed with Atlanta. We wait to see if they offer him the job. They said that both sides are interested in each other. But for now, we still got no news, right? No coaching news, nothing official. Just kind of, uh, I don't think so. yeah, just kind of interviews. And, and now we wait. Do y'all have any other NFL thoughts this morning? Um, the one I wanted to bring up. Um, I was thinking about it last night, and I know I know he's been in the conversation, but last night it really was kind of front and center for me. Is um, is Baker Mayfield the comeback player of the year? I mean, some people were saying Demar Hamlin, maybe just as a tri- you know as a tribute for the fact that you know he almost died last year, and he's at least on the field. He's not playing as much, but and and I'm trying to think of anyone else, but to me. And I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan. However, um, his story is it's 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 pretty it's pretty good one to follow. I mean, you know, he was he was washed when he left Cleveland, and he looked great last night from what I watched. Yeah, it feels like any other year he'd probably be a runaway winner. But Demar Hamlin, you mentioned him, came back from the dead, not really to play, but at least to stand on the sideline. And then also you got to keep in mind that Cleveland dusted off the carcass of, of Joe Flacco and brought him a, brought him in off the street and had him throw a couple of games, what, with 400 yards. So I think he is at least was the second best odds when it comes to gambling. So it feels like any other year Baker Mayfield would run away. You know, it's kind of like when Ryan Tannehill won with the Titans, comes back from the dead and, 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 and you know, saves his career and gets his team to the playoffs. But I don't think Baker's going to actually win, Bob, but he probably should when you look at the whole season of work. Because, yeah, he was another guy that was, I don't want to say almost out of the league, but Cleveland loved him. He got injured. They made him play injured, or at least he played injured. Kind of ruined his career there. And it looked like he was on the Johnny Manziel train Almost from, you know, short, brash quarterback that that has a lot of promise to, to the, well, there's no place in the league for this guy. He's kind of a jerk and he's been oversaturated with all the commercials and blah, blah, blah. But instead, he gets to win a playoff game and, I mean, really looked awesome last night shredding that Eagles team. Sam, any thoughts on the uh, Yeah, I mean. Player? I kind of agree with you, Bob. I mean, I don't think it's super likely, but I think that Baker Mayfield is is absolutely put on a performance, not just last night, but honestly all season long for him. I think it has been a, a kind of underrated uh, headline, I think, of, of kind of this NFL season. He's, he's put been together a, he's know, been some up sneaky, and down. decent numbers. Yeah, he's been up and down. But last night, 337 yards, three touchdowns, Sam. Mm-hmm. The other thing I see with him, too, and we've seen this kind of story play out so many times in years past, but <clears throat> excuse me, he seems like he's uh, he's grown up a little bit, too. You know what I mean? He's uh, I find him a little more likable this year. He's been humbled. Um, I saw him when he was on 
college game day. And even though he was, it was, I think it was for Red River rivalry and he was, you know, ad nauseum about Oklahoma, which I get, but he was, I actually enjoyed the interview with him and he just, I don't know. Everybody loves a comeback story, right? That's the whole thing. So, um, I, I, I always get sucked into those. So that's, I'm, I was kind of cheering on for Baker here at the end. Yeah, it is what we do. Baker Mayfield encompasses kind of the American sports figure path, right? We build you up. You're you're awesome. You are brash. Wow, look at this. And then it's okay. We've had enough of you. Humble yourself. You kind of stink. And then we want to see, can you humble yourself? Can you get back? And then we'll root for you again as an underdog. But unfortunately for Baker, he does kind of run onto a a bigger underdog with the Detroit Lions, somebody, you know, who has, who has been struggling for 30 years. So it, it does seem like he's on the wrong side of karma coming into the second weekend. I don't know if everybody will be rooting for him the same way next weekend as they were last night. I think you're right. Yeah, I think the Lions are uh... – Lions uh, are probably a little bit of America's team right now, unless, you know, obviously if you're a hardcore Packers fan or, you know, one of your teams is in there, of course you're going to be rooting for them. But for those of us who don't have a team in the playoffs at this point, um, I think, I think it's safe to say there's a lot of pro Lions guys out there and gals. Switching gears to college football, Alabama, uh, set to hire the South Alabama head coach, Kane Womack. They're going to hire him to run their defense. A deal is in the process of being finalized, or at least it was last night at 10 o'clock. So this means that the 2024 version of Alabama will have Indiana's offensive coordinator and Indiana's defensive coordinator. Sam, do you know much about this guy? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, he's a, he's a really respected guy kind of around coaching circles. I think it's a, a pretty solid pickup for them. I mean, he was a guy that was building up that program over there and, you know, obviously it's, it's definitely a step in the right direction for him to be able to go to a program like, like Alabama, but he was doing a good job at South Alabama. Uh, he's a, he's a well-respected guy kind of around the industry in, in terms of being a defensive mind. So I think that, you know, he'll be able to, probably establish some some good recruiting ties with already working kind of in that area that he'll be in in Tuscaloosa. Uh, you know, whether he can kind of translate that from South Alabama to Alabama will be will be interesting. But I think he's produced some pretty good talent over there in his time. Okay, so you think it's a good hire because to me, just hire South Alabama, former Indiana, D.C., it felt a little yeah. bit left to be desired as far as I was concerned. If I was an Alabama fan, Bob, what were your thoughts on the uh, well? Hire? I would agree with it. I would agree with that. As a cosmetic layer, that uh, that that feels like they're kind of settling. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the guy other than his roots, like you just mentioned, John. But I, you would expect a, a bigger bigger name. I don't know. That's just me. But um, I guess DeBoer is maybe looking at uh, familiarity. Will will breed success at a quicker pace. I I don't know. It's it's that's a strange one to me. But um, Sam's got a little more detail on that than me, so that's uh, good on you, Sam. I I just I was looking at it mostly like from the 
the uh, optics, if you will. Yeah, and it goes to me just optics is are, are kind of all we could judge on right now. Now, of course, they can get to the season and they can go back to being a machine and they can look very, very smart for hiring these guys. And, and maybe Kalen DeBoer is the best tactical coach in America and all of a sudden they look better prepared than, than when they had the greatest of all time, Nick Saban. And maybe this defensive coordinator is going to be, you know, just a stud and their defense is going to be as good as ever. But just sitting here from a Tennessee fan perspective, it feels it feels a little underwhelming. It, it feels like they are not hiring the guys that we are used to seeing them hire. It seems like they are just kind of going with what I don't want to say what they can get, but like I, you can't convince me this was like a national search of who's the best defensive coordinator, or who's the best defensive mind we can get. It's a, hey, I worked with this guy. I trust him. He believes in my process. I believe in his. I'm going to bring him in here and give him this opportunity. And if you're Womack, you know, of course, uh, being good at Alabama as their defense coordinator is a better path to becoming a big-time head coaching prospect than being at South Alabama, in my opinion. And I would imagine he's making a lot more money already taking this job. Yeah, he only made like $800,000 a year, I think, at, at South Alabama. He, he runs kind of a funky defense. He runs a 4 2 5. Um, but they were top 15 in group of five in defense and, uh, you know, a pretty decent scoring defense and kind of, I think, prides himself on third down, is what I was reading in an article. Uh, like back when he was the coach at Indiana, they had a pretty good third down defense as well. I would love if he was like, you know what? Third down's overrated. We care about first down <laughs> defense here. <laughs> oh, God. And then one more coaching thing. Um, you guys might have seen it. Um, we talked a little bit yesterday about Arizona and who would they get. And, um, wow, they uh, they bring in a guy who I know he's had a couple bowl appearances, but three uh, three bowl appearances, but a losing record. As a, as a career coach at San Jose State. Um, oh, I didn't see this. Who, kind of, who do they end up hiring? I guess the San Jose State coach. I don't, who is it? Yeah, it's um, Brent Brennan, um, <laughs> San Jose State coach. Uh, he has not he's not been hired yet, but they uh, they're finalizing the deal. Um, he uh, the past four seasons at San Jose State, 26 and 19 record, three bowl appearances, but his career record as a coach is like 34 and 40 or something along those lines. It's, an, it's not great. Great call um, by you, Sam, yesterday for saying, for reminding us all that Arizona is broke because that is the hire of a broke program. Yeah. Absolutely. In my yeah. opinion. But that is a program that wants to save some money. And not have to pay another school a buyout and not want to have to pay a coach big money because that is about as underwhelming as it gets for a program that, you know, had a really, really good year. And at one point looked like maybe the second or third best team in the Pac-12. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a surprise. He had a cup of coffee as a grad assistant at Arizona under Dick Tomey way back when and um, you know, was a assistant at Oregon State under Mike Riley. I mean, he's you know he's he's had some good experience as an assistant. Um, you know, he has had a head coaching job for a little while, but I mean, 
San Jose State is uh, not exactly one that's on the top of mind for for college football fans and pundits, to put it that way. So, uh, yeah, and, and I agree with you, John, and I thought about what Sam said yesterday. This was absolutely um, – this was a, a budget-driven hire. There's no question. Yeah, that's disappointing. That's disappointing, but uh, I guess good luck in the Big 12 to Arizona. All right, we had some college football. College basketball, Tennessee in the polls has moved down a couple spots, but not too far. The new AP Top 25 poll has Tennessee at number six, running through your top five, UConn, Purdue, Kansas, North Carolina, and Houston. And then, yeah, Tennessee comes in at number six, two spots ahead of Kentucky in the SEC, four spots ahead of in-state Memphis. Your thoughts on the top 25 in Tennessee only falling to number six, Bob? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm good with it. I actually thought they may not fall, but I think uh, one of the, the variables that we talked about a little bit yesterday is how well North Carolina's playing because they, they climbed and um, I, I believe, I want to say they were, yeah, they were behind Tennessee in the rankings last week and they're, they're playing well. So I guess it doesn't surprise me that they moved ahead. Um, the uh, I'm just looking at the polls right now. Um, Auburn's at 13. Um, I'm not sure where that uh, situates them versus where they were last week. I don't know how much movement they had, but uh, I'm still surprised. Quite honestly, I mean they're 15 and one, but you know, thinking in SEC terms, I'm still surprised to see Ole Miss still in there being ranked. But uh, again, I, I've said this too. I think some of that's uh, um, a little bit of Chris Beard love. Um, they did after getting blown out by Tennessee, they went, you know, laid Florida out, you know, which is a team we'll be talking a little more about today. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, back to Tennessee at six, that, that doesn't bother me. I mean, they did lose a game and they won their second game against Georgia, but as we know, they had moments where, um, <laughs> that game was clearly in doubt for a while on Saturday. So uh, six feels about right. Sam, any thoughts on Tennessee number six in the polls? Uh, I mean, I think you got to feel pretty good about it. I think it was uh, a blessing that a lot of other, a lot of other teams, you know, right around you, pretty much everyone right, right around you lost, lost a game and dropped one. So, you know, you don't have to worry about dropping too far. I think, I think six is pretty fine. I think the one that uh, we would, you know, agree on is, you know, Kentucky wins that game at A&M. They might be ahead of Tennessee in the polls. Yeah. And, you know, we always hate that. So, yeah, I definitely think Kentucky would have been in the top five had they not lost that game at A&M and got blown out in overtime. The game time has moved up. Tennessee, Florida plays at five o'clock. I reckon this has a lot to do with trying to get Florida home after the game, but Bob, you still going to try to get out there? I know you got season tickets. You going to try to make it to the game tonight? I don't think so. Um, unless I start to hear that, uh, again, we're, you know, road conditions are bad and the temperature continues to drop. So uh, I'd say I don't think so. Um, I don't know. I, we'll see how the day goes. I might have enough cabin fever that I might be foolish enough to give it a try. I'm, I'm not so concerned about getting there at 5 o'clock. It's more you know, once it gets dark and temperature drops some more at seven ish, what that's going to feel like 
as um as a as a college basketball fan, um, it it does excite me because now I can see both games. Uh, there was a there's a certain team that plays at seven o'clock that none of you guys want to hear about that I follow. Um, and so if they were playing at the same time as Tennessee, I definitely had a had a Sophie's choice to make because Purdue's playing Indiana at seven. So. Uh, Uh, Please note that we, as Tennessee fans, hate Purdue. We don't like Purdue. We hate them. Not only do we not care, we actively root against Purdue, okay? I understand. And and I'm proud to say that day seven of doing this show, that's the first time I've mentioned them. So I'm I'm working on it, guys. Trust me. I don't know. I heard a lot of Zach Eadie love last week. But either way, 7.30, 5 o'clock tip-off. Tonight for Tennessee, Florida. I've invited Will Warren, stats by Will on to come break down Tennessee, Florida with us. I've sent him an invite. Let's see if he accepts it and hops on. Invite to speak. I'll hit it again. Request to speak, William, if you're listening. It is 8:30. Let's let's talk some Tennessee, Florida. We'll see if we get him on. Sam, you going to try to make the track to the game tonight? I do have a ticket. I am. I'm thinking about it. Not living on campus anymore is tough. Uh, you know, if I was if I was on campus, it would be all systems go. I walk saw, to the game. I saw lower level tickets on 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 StubHub for like twenty dollars to sit lower level. That's nice. That's nice. Good morning, William. Unmute your mic and hop on, and let's talk some ball. Down in the bottom left down there, Will. <laughs> Mercy. Stats guy, not a mic guy, I guess. <laughs> Russell and Bear would be having a having a meltdown involuntary reaction right now. It's okay. <laughs> he is texting me, so he is he is. At least locked down. I think he's going to close out and try to hop back on. Bob, this happened to me yesterday, I will say. Yeah, I mean, like, what is your uh, level of concern about the Florida game? I haven't seen a spread on it yet. What, what is the spread? I imagine we're somewhere kind of in that six and a half, seven point range again, kind of like we were with Florida. I, I, actually, no, maybe we're like 10. Yeah, I was going to say maybe we're like 10. Yeah. Yeah, I. I after I've done a little bit of homework, I'll be interested to hear Will's take too. But um, I'm 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 not that concerned, honestly. I mean, Florida hasn't beaten anybody uh, this season so far. I mean, obviously they've they've got 11 wins, so they beat some teams. But my point is, uh, I think they I'm not even sure they have they don't even have uh, I don't know like quad one wins. Uh, might be non-existent. Their their top wins are against teams like Pittsburgh, Florida State. Um, they beat Michigan, which in other years would matter, but they're seven and ten this year. So um, I, I feel pretty good about Tennessee's chances tonight. Um, but quite frankly, Florida is a team I know a little bit about, but not that much as far as their personnel. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the most impressive thing Florida has done this year, at least that I've seen, is almost beat Kentucky. Will Warren, good morning, my friend. Apologies for the problems, boys. The uh, Elon's X was not working for me this morning, but we're good now. How are you all? 
We are doing okay. I am still laying in bed doing this in the dark with no clothes on, and I'm happy that this uh, three is now foursome. I got to go. That's, uh, that's too much information. <laughs> a little bit. But, I think uh, it's an appropriate way. amount of info. Now I feel like I got an image in my head. Don't know if I wanted it, but I got one. <laughs> oh, there you go. Tennessee, Florida tonight, 5 o'clock. Let's start with Tennessee surviving at Georgia. Statsbywill.com. What did you think about the performance from Dalton Connect? What did you think about the performance overall as a team from Tennessee on Saturday? I think it was really critical to win those games because I think you and I have talked about, and probably others have, it doesn't feel like Tennessee would have won that game last year just because when when you, when you think about how the game unfolded down the stretch, Tennessee probably didn't have a go-to set or a go-to play in games like that last year. It was sort of, you know, Zakai, see if you can bail us out, whether it's for yourself or for others. And this year it's, we're going to run a pick and roll with either Connect or Ziegler as the ball handler, Adu as the screener, and you know they're just going to spam that until the opponent makes an adjustment. And you know teams are going to adjust eventually, but for now, I think it's important that Tennessee's got that go-to set late in these games because you've got an NBA player running them. You've got a terrific point guard who's playing like a first-teamer all-SEC guy running them. And you have Adu, who's you know quietly had a really good season. So it's a, it's a really dangerous set, and I think this is a group that's, you know, it's not perfect. It probably never will be, but they seem to be starting to figure things out on the offensive end. Yeah, as a, you know, as a fan that watched them last year, lose those games to, you know, you can even say the Vanderbilt buzzer beater, the the Missouri buzzer beater were similar games that you just found a way to lose. It felt nice to be on the other side of eking one out, especially when you say that, like you said, you have an NBA player in Dalton Connect just running a simple play, a simple but beautiful play. College basketball doesn't do it enough. The NBA maybe does it a little too much. But to me, I do love when you just make it simple and say, hey, here's our best player. We're going to set him a screen. We're going to get him downhill. We're going to get him some space and let him create, whether it is the the three-pointer that won the game or the beautiful kind of look-away pass that he set up Jonas Adu with, when I, I believe, to cut it to a two-point game on a beautiful pass to a wide-open dunk. I thought it was a thing of beauty watching that, and it was nice that Tennessee – kind of has has that in their repertoire this year. It's the first time I can really remember it. Candy Chandler got it going a little bit, but even most times you even need a screen. So, yeah, this is the first time I've seen Tennessee kind of just spam, like you said, the uh, the nonstop pick and rolls, and it's it's worked a lot so far. Yeah, and again, it's nice to have that in your pocket. I don't know that Tennessee needs to run that 24-7 because, you know, like I said, teams are going to adjust, but – this is something they didn't have last year. They ran pick and rolls fewer than I think everybody but Purdue actually last year. And even this year, you've seen Purdue adjust and run it a bit more with Braden Smith as their point. So uh, I think an important adjustment, one, and really, you know, one that not a lot of teams are just going to have A, the capability to run themselves, or B, the capability to defend, because not everybody's got a six, six foot six small forward that handles it like a point. Yeah, Dalton Connect with thirty-five po- or thirty-six points, another thirty-five point outburst on the road. I think we could put to rest 
all of the worries we had about him when we talked to you last week prior to the Mississippi State game. When you look at his second half in that game, then, of course, the entire performance at Georgia. Is it Was it a confidence thing? Was it a sickness thing? Was it an ankle thing? Was it all of the above? Or is it just, you know, kind of a, a midseason we were playing against bad teams and he wasn't really focused as much as he maybe should have been? Probably three, three, you know, like equal parts, confidence, ankle, and then just needing to mentally adjust because the way that he attacked in that game and second half MSU, I thought was a little different than how he attacked, you know, UNC or Wisconsin. It was, he's got a, a couple different moves now. He's more willing to look for the pass. I think, you know, if, if they had run that exact set, like you mentioned for Adu, down, I believe, four at the time, uh, earlier in the season, I don't know that Dalton's eyes are up looking for Adu down the court. Uh, I think he's made an adjustment, and that's kind of what the whole season is about, is, you know, you present something, the opponent adjusts, then it's on you to adjust to the adjustment. And I think he's made that adjustment and, you know, back to looking like a potential SEC player of the year. Hey, Will, jumping to um, tonight's game with Florida, um, we were talking about this when we were getting connected with you. We, we talked about the fact that Florida, um, albeit that they're 11 and five, um, they're, maybe, they're, maybe their most impressive performance was a loss to Kentucky where they lost by two points because, I mean, they're, they're, I tried to find a quality win and, I mean, you know, it's littered with power five teams, but they are all like in the 70 and 80 range in Ken Palm. Um, I'd just be interested to get your take on, do, do they really have a quality win at this point? Um, it, it, it just, it doesn't, I don't, I don't see it. They don't. I mean, they're, they're victimized a little bit by, you know, some of the wins at the time probably looked good and have sort of faded in retrospect, like beating Michigan on a neutral no longer looks very, it honestly looks bad that it took them two overtimes to beat what's a very bad Michigan team. You know, Arkansas preseason probably would have been a pretty huge win. Now we know Arkansas might be really bad. Uh, you know, they, they don't have a quadrant one victory. They're 0-4, and a couple of those games really haven't been close. You know, they got blown out by Ole Miss. They lost by double digits to Wake Forest in a game that, frankly, could have been worse than it was. Um, the, and they're in a position, there's this thing called wins above bubble, which more or less just measures your resume versus how an average bubble team would have performed against it. Florida ranks 10th in this in the SEC. Uh, they, I mean, if the, if the tournament started today, they would not be in it. So they're, they're really in need of a signature win, whether it's tonight, whether it's you know next week against Mississippi State, I think somewhat counts. They, they need wins bad to sort of come from behind here. I'm just excited. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm, I've, I've been looking at their lineup, Will, and and it feels like Tennessee's been facing these kind of teams recently. Uh, it looks like Florida's led by mostly guard play, so it's a lot of guards, and then they have two or three bigs that all kind of come in, and they're all 6'10 or larger and are taller, and they, they come in and, you know, uh, try to maybe piece together what would be a line for a good one single big man. Um, anybody on that team that stands out for you? 
I, I really like Walter Clayton, the Iona slash Rick Patino transfer. He's sort of their lead initiator, lead scorer. He and Zion Pullen, I think, is a UC Riverside transfer. Those guys are sort of the guys offensively. Riley Kugel was supposed to be that guy this year. He was on the NBA radar heading into the season, and he's been really disappointing. But, you know, if you're on the NBA radar, you're always capable of a breakout. But the the thing that interests me most about them, they do start two bigs, like two true, you know, back-to-the-basket bigs in an era where that doesn't happen much anymore. They they all can shoot, but I, I point this out in the preview. There's not many players on Florida's roster where you're like, they should shoot it. They have a lot of cans. They don't have a lot of shoulds. So the uh, the Fords almost unanimously are not should shoot it guys. You can back off of them a little bit. But, you know, because they start the two bigs, because they've got such a big lineup in general, you know, number three in offensive rebounding rate, really good at scoring at the rim. They get fouled a lot. It's an unusual matchup where, you know, like you said, the the guards are probably the best players, but the Fords are really dangerous in their own way. I personally am just happy that we do not have to watch Colin Castleton play tonight. I hated watching him go up against Tennessee. I'm glad he's finally gone. Yes. (laughs) Let me just join you in that with a yes, because... You, you looked at a six foot ten, hundred and fifty pound player, and you thought, "How is this guy that good?" Statsbywill.com. You can get the best college basketball coverage, the best Tennessee basketball coverage, directly to your email. Statsbywill.com. Subscribe to the Substack. So when you see this Florida team, does the ten point spread feel too high, too low, just about right? Not asking for gambling advice. I know you're not a gambler. But do you just think this Florida team has enough to stay within single digits of Tennessee tonight? I think it's bang on. I think 10 is exactly where I would put it. Um, the the interesting thing, you know, like we've mentioned, is that they can stay within single digits. We've seen them do that against UK. They did it against a really good Baylor team. I mean, Virginia's underwhelming, but they, you know, nearly beat Virginia. They could stay within single digits. I just don't think they can get over the hump until proven otherwise. They, they've got this you know distinct pattern now of they can score, and they have scored pretty much every time they've touched the court and in an impressive fashion just because they push the pace so much. But, you know, I, I went uh, digging for this for the preview. Let me get the exact stat. They've played seven games against top 75 defenses, averaged 83 points per game, still went three and four. To me, that's pretty bad because that shows you can't play defense. So I think Florida can score, Florida can hang around. I just don't trust them to get the stops, especially against a guy that they don't have a natural guard against uh, for a connect. Especially against a juggernaut offense like Tennessee. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, Will, I was was checking out your uh, show show me my opponent for Florida, and you mentioned this. I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit on it. We've we've talked here about you know lack well no quad one wins just uh, the the statistical averages that you just broke out too. Yet Florida is you know you would I would expect when I hear all that somebody that's got a Ken Palm ranking that's going to be like you know way below fifty or sixty and they're actually fortieth. Um, can you can you with your uh, kind of metric based brain can you help us understand how that, you know, again, we've been talking about a team that we don't have much concern about for tonight, but 
you know, top 40 in Ken Palm's not necessarily bad either. Yeah, I, I think it's just as simple as, you know, 0-4 against Quad 1, sure, but they're also 11-1 and against everybody else. They've largely blown out their bye games. You know, they did do... I think they're getting a natural bump because they whooped Arkansas so badly over the weekend, which... You know, if, if you beat an SEC team by 22, I do think that matters. That's a good sign because this is a difficult conference. If you can blow out even the bad teams in the conference, you're doing something right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that they feel overrated, but they they feel what they honestly remind me of when I look at the quadrants and I look at Todd Golden's uh, run there so far is Ben Howland, Mississippi State, where – they beat these teams over and over, but as soon as it came to play quad one competition, they simply could not get over the hump because they didn't. They either didn't have the variance necessary from shooting where they could shoot their way into a win, or they couldn't get the stops. Have you begun preparation for Alabama yet? Tennessee welcomes in Alabama on Saturday. Going to be a big early conference game to determine you know who kind of gets the leg up on the other. Is this Alabama team as dangerous as their ranking, at least in the metrics show? Is it a big step back from last year's team? How do you view Alabama so far? That's It's weird to think of it this way, but I, I think they're better offensively. Oh, well. Than they, I mean, they're definitely more efficient. They're, they're better offensively. They are far, far worse defensively. They, uh, I think people, you know, Brandon Miller was a great bucket getter, of course, last year. Uh, we won't go to, into other things about that. He's a shooter, moment, but he's a, he's an active shooter. Anyway, um, they uh, they they were he was in people really underestimated how good he was defensively. Not only that, I was you know this is a bit of a humble brag, and I apologize, but talking to Jimmy Dykes about the game Saturday because he's on the call. Um, their rim protection is so much worse this year versus last. Betty Ako was huge last year. Noah Clowney was huge last year. The center right now is a Summit League transfer named Grant Nelson, who's a pretty good scorer in his own right, but just simply put, cannot hang with athletic dudes. Like He could really give up a lot of points to Adu, could give up a lot of points to connect. They don't really have a guy who can block shots at the moment. So I think it's a thing of I expect that game to be played in the 80s, which is great for if you're a neutral fan watching it. Pretty horrible for us as people who have an investment in it. But I think they're good. I think sixth in Ken Palm is a stretch. But something like top 15, top 20 feels about right for them. My name starts by wheel, and I'm friends with Jimmy Dykes. <laughs> hey, so, so Will Dykes is... Um... <laughs> is doing he's doing tonight's game too so so it's, i guess maybe he's staying in knoxville this week then and see if he's doing bama as well i think they have to i, I haven't asked him but I, I know with like with florida obviously they've got to ship him out of town as soon as possible I, I don't really know how that works with commentators though especially given that in the past they've just you know done the remote broadcasts or whatever hey jimmy yeah. do you want to go on a run with me you want to go run <laughs> You know I would whoop Jimmy in a half marathon right now. You would, but I think you'd slow down so you could hang out and talk ball with him. Hey, Jimmy, how was it like coaching Arkansas <laughs> women's basketball? 
Hey, Jimmy loves him some Tennessee, though. He does. He does. He always gives us our proper respect, and then I always feel bad because we always let him down when it comes to the tournament. He, he always has us in the front of the plane, and then we always get knocked out. <laughs> we always we always belong in baggage plane. The first class is the first one to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we always let him down. All right, so Will, just wrapping up, statsbywill.com. Appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for hopping on with us. Has anything happened in the last week that has changed your opinion on this basketball team for better or worse? Honestly, a little better offensively because I think we were beginning to get worried with the connect struggles that he wasn't going to re- you know, rediscover the UNC. Like he'd be a you know, 12, 13 points per game guy, but not that guy again. And I think seeing that guy come back is huge for them. And you know, maybe we got a little overconfident with Josiah early on that he, you know, had the Joe Milton 17th year bump or whatever. But, yeah, I, I think having Connect play like this, having Ziegler play the way he's played post-Maui, Adu still looks really good. If you can get just one of Vescovy or James going on the average night, this is a really dangerous team. And I still feel, you know, like we've said, they're a top six to eight team in college hoops. And look... You run this back enough times, eventually you're going to break through. Hey, can I, hey, Will, before you go, and, and mm-hmm. I, you know, thank you, like John said, but one last question is uh, that I didn't get in, um, and this is about Tennessee, is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they dropped in defensive efficiency in, in basically the Georgia game. Did I read that correctly? I'd love to get your take on that, and, and if so, what was the catalyst in that and, I'd just be interested to know. I think it's just as simple as Georgia shot, you know, 43% from three and honestly had a heck of a day from three prior to the final minute of the game. Right. They, uh, uh, I think it was nine of 13 from three to start the second half, which, you know, unsustainable, crazy thing. Not fun to watch, uh, at all while you're watching it happen. But, uh, you know, the the key for me is there, there's that, of course, but Tennessee held them to 25% from two. I still think this is a great defense. I don't think it's, I mean, they're not going to be number one or top three like they have been the last couple of years, but the odds of them still finishing top six or so are pretty good. And if you, I mean, I think everybody going into this year was going to be happy to make the sacrifice with, you know, only having a top 10 defense if it meant you had a top 20 offense to go with it. And, you know, right now that's what they've got. Yep. All right, statsbywill.com. Again, if you want to be a smarter college basketball fan, if you want to be a smarter Tennessee basketball fan, go subscribe to the Substack. It is money well spent. Do you run any type of specials or anything right now, Will? Usually for March Madness, I might do one for February. Or the the snow day special sounds pretty good. Too. A snow day special <laughs> that is yeah for the for the fan run listeners. Just uh, <laughs> eight dollars off or eight inches of snow. Follow Will Warren on X if you don't already. Stats by Will. Appreciate it, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on, yes, sir. The uh, I'm just sitting here thinking of I'm I'm getting totally immersed in uh, in Will's stuff, not just his basketball, but he you know he he follows a lot of other cool stuff with music, et cetera. So um, 
Did you cut the check, oh, Bob? Did you cut the check to the Substack? It sounds like you were reading his stuff. I'm getting there. I don't know. No, I'm just looking at the the, the so far the free stuff, but oh. he's almost uh, he's almost pulled me in. Oh, I gotta say. Oh well, that's awkward. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he wasn't listening. Because <laughs> I'm a payer. I'm a payer. I subscribe. Um, I'm about there with you though. Um, I uh, I'm liking what I see so far, and like you said, I feel maybe a little smarter after hearing his uh, his breakdowns. I mean, the it's interesting that. The situation with the Georgia game, we all saw how well they shot from three till the end of the game um, and how much influence that has on a team's, you know, just one game has that much impact on a team's defensive efficiency and I guess Georgia's offensive efficiency, but more concerned about Tennessee. So it was that's uh, that was enlightening for sure. Yeah, going back to Josiah and Santee, you know, you do, I think Will said it properly. You don't have to have both play well offensively, but you really need at least one of them to, especially as we progress throughout the season and as teams start making adjustments to Dalton Connect as a ball handler slash passer and those double teams start coming out a little bit higher and they're getting the ball out of his hands a lot quicker. When you get that four-on-three rotation, somebody's going to be open. And if it's Vescov here or if it's James – they have to be willing to drive the basketball hard or hit open jumpers. And, you know, what we've seen from them in the last couple of games doesn't give me a lot of confidence in them. But, like, ultimately this season in, in conference when you're chasing a championship and then, of course, in March is going to come down to those guys shooting and those guys playing offensively. And you hope that they can kind of snap out of whatever little funk they are currently in. Sam, it's rare. Oh, go ahead, Bob. Sorry. No, I was just going to say it's rare to see fifth-year seniors be, and mostly this is the case with Santi, but I see some of it with Josiah too. Seeing those fifth-year seniors so deferential, it's like overly deferential, frustratingly deferential. It's like you said, John. They gotta, God, they gotta, they gotta step up. You know, um, it's a. Uh, that's. I, I just hope that's not a a topic that we're still discussing a month from now, because that, that'll be, that'll be cause for concern heading into March for sure. Yeah. It's also sad when you see your guys that have been here for five years, kind of look like they have lost their confidence. It's one thing I'll give a pass to Ganey who is, you know, maybe struggling with uh, an increase in competition, a step up in competition. And maybe he's a little, you know, hit a wall there and, you know, kind of lost his confidence, but, Guys who have done it at this level, at the school for as many years as Vescovy and James has, it's really alarming to me and really disappointing when you see them just kind of look lost out there on the basketball court. Sam, any thoughts on Tennessee basketball? You've been quiet during the break. I appreciate, or during uh, Will's interview, I should say. Do you have any Tennessee basketball thoughts you haven't hit yet? Yeah, I mean, I think y'all have hit it on the head pretty well there. I, I think you know, obviously Will was talking about it too. I think it is just, you know, it's, it's kind of in the, in the middle line of, you know, being optimistic and also just, it's super frustrating in the fact that, you know, you've got that kind of those, those three that you can rely on and connect and Adu and, and Ziegler. Um, and, and just, if you can get the production from one of Josiah James or Santi, this team, you know, goes from, a really good team to an elite team and and you've kind of seen the struggles of the team when when those guys are not producing but you know when they're 
when they're on and, and a couple of your other guys are on it, it's really, really encouraging to watch. And it's a Tennessee team that I think is one of the harder teams in the country to beat. So, you know, I mean, it's, I think it is, it's frustrating that you're in, you know, a fifth year seniors last year here and you're still kind of asking him to be with the guy to pick up the slack. But I also think that if there is one person that, that you might want to do it, I think it's kind of a guy that's been through the ringer and had that experience. And so I think that, it's concerning, but I'm also a little optimistic because I think that those guys can pick it up come March. If any of the other listeners want to hop on and have a little phone call, feel free to do so. If not, we will start winding this thing down because I've hit all my topics that I want to hit. No commercials here, obviously, but shout out to our sponsors, White Claw Hard Seltzer, Knoxville Smiles. If you are needing to get to the dentist, Knoxville Smiles. Dot com. You can check out the, a virtual tour of their state-of-the-art West Knoxville facility. Knoxville Smiles. Shout out to Inward Half. InwardHalf.com. If you are a golfer or have a golfer in your life or just want to support Tennessee's NIL Collective, you could do that at the Volunteer Club by buying the Everything Polo. We appreciate them for their support. Hate being off the air. Hate not being able to be in studio to do this, but... Happy that we could still kind of get together, talk for a bit, put up the podcast, and, and at least give some content to the people during week two of the morning show that is all going to be remote, all from home, and all miserable as I want to get outside. My poor wiener dog, Bob, he can't get out the snow. He peed inside last night, and I couldn't even be bad because, like, what are you supposed to do? There's nowhere you could go outside. The snow comes up over your body. I couldn't pee out there either. My, so I just looked at him and was like, well, that's no good. I'm not happy with you, but I'm not mad. There's nothing you could really do. Yeah, we're. Uh, that's top of my list when we wrap up today is uh, I got to get out and shovel because for that very reason, we took our dog out overnight and, you know, there's – it's in – our dog's a little bigger than yours, but still, uh, snow was coming up to their midsection, and they they don't know that that's that kind of wrecks their logic. They're not sure what to do. So, uh, yeah, we got to do that, or we're going to have indoor accidents too. Hey, real quick, um, uh, we had one uh, question from uh, one of the uh, one of our followers on X from PD Dodson, and. Sam, I, I tossed this maybe your way. John, you may know something. I don't have much to report, but, you know, wanted to talk about portal issues, closing Zay Lance Heard, George McIntyre. We still hear, you know, everything looks positive, but nothing finalized. Um, is it as simple as uh, some of this is tied to weather? I doubt it. But I'm just curious what your guys' take is on that in terms of uh, why can't we get some closure there? Yeah, Sam, I'll go first and give it to you. But just from everything I've still read in updates, uh, I think this comes for the on three guys. They say whenever you're dealing with a, a contract, you're dealing with NIL, and you're dealing with somebody changing schools, that basically you have to have lawyers overlook contracts these days, and that that doesn't happen over the weekend. That doesn't happen on a holiday like Martin Luther King Day. So like they said, hey, just kind of be patient. Uh, that it would happen on a business day, I believe was the phrase used. So I'm not worried about it yet. I just think that, you know, you, you got to go over some paperwork. And, and also, if I was that kid, just me personally, or if I was George McIntyre, just personally, I wouldn't have wanted to make my announcement during the middle of a Nick Saban coaching search either. I would kind of want to have my little bit of moment 
in college football in the college football sun. So unless they, unless we get to like Thursday and we haven't heard anything, or maybe Wednesday night and we haven't heard anything, I'm not worried about it just yet. Sam, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it either, John. I'm right there with you. I mean, you haven't really gotten any updates or anything, so it kind of has been strange when like four days ago you got some some guys you know, making some predictions on the crystal ball and things like that. And Tennessee really things really swinging in Tennessee's favor. And then kind of seems like communication shuts off for a couple of days, but I think John's kind of right there. I think just things are hairy nowadays in the NIL era and it takes a lot to, to officially close the deal probably. And it's just taking a little bit longer than expected, but I, I feel confident in getting him and I haven't heard any, any news on like Oklahoma making a late push or anything like that. Yeah, until we get, like, other schools kind of pop up. Like, I, I think Tennessee beat Oklahoma. Now, you know, if another school pops up, then I'll be worried. But so far, that yeah. hasn't been the case. Like, there is a part of me that's just like, okay, the longer this goes on, the more it seems like he's just wants somebody else to come in and sweep him off his feet. But I'm trying not to think of that. I'm trying just to say, hey, it's a it's a legal thing, and these guys have to get these contracts worked out. Because that essentially is a contract to take a new job with you know this day of NIL and making sure you're getting your money and all those things. So I, I'm not worried, Joe. I'm not going to say Tennessee's struggling to close, at least in these two instances. You could have told me you know a week ago that Tennessee struggles to close, and I would say, yeah, it does seem like they have some recruiting stuff. But so far with McIntyre and Hurd, not worried about either one of them. Not worried about either one of them. Especially, hey, especially well, McIntyre, like, to me, like that's a that's a slam dunk. It was Tennessee, Alabama, and he loved Nick Saban, and then Nick Saban left. So, like, I would be shocked if it wasn't all Tennessee. Now, you know whether or not he announces that this week, or I saw that there were some rumors that it might get pushed a week because of all the snow and weather, and you know he wants to make a big announcement and do a big ceremony or whatever. So maybe, like with him, you just have to be a little bit more patient. Go ahead, Bob. <laughs> now this. Uh... I, I think that's all good perspective and, and the, the way you framed it about it being a job, that's, that's really a good way to look at it because that's the, the new age we're, we're operating in. Um, just another uh, comment, John, I don't know if you saw this from Jay Zane, is it Winders or Winders or um, <laughs> John Reed being mean to staff by Will this morning from his bed naked and I'm not having it. Let Will and Jimmy be friends in peace. Okay, this alone is why we need to get back in the studio, okay? Just that we have to start having visual, mental visuals of John laying in his bed. Um, The more you talk about it, the more people are going to think about it, Bob. You brought it back up, not me. I, I, uh, yeah, we got to. You're the one that brought it back up. Hey, let's make a pact, even if the weather's horrible. No matter what, we get, we get back to the studio if this is where it's headed. Good Lord. You know, I, I can't make that pack because we're, our studio is at the bottom of this big-ass hill, and I'm not sledding down that hill to, to get in there and do radio. I'm just not doing it. And I'm not walking back up that hill if I have to park because I think in the past somebody's had to park at the top of the hill and walk down, and it's way too steep to walk back up. I'm not I'm not doing it. No thanks. Yeah. No, that's fair. I saw yesterday, and this was on a – not nearly the incline of the hill you're talking about, but over by my house, there there were, and it was on uh, Westland, you know, so a, a frequently traveled road. 
Westland heading into Sherwood, there were cars parked. I mean, multiple ones because they couldn't, they couldn't get up the slightest incline, you know? And so it's, it's legit. I, a guy can dream. I just got to want this to, to end because there looks like there's, you know, some, some temperatures above freezing maybe Thursday and Friday, but then there's a whole nother wave of cold coming through. So can we melt like this huge amount of snow in that amount of time and get the roads cleared? Cause I don't know, this will be, this will drive me nuts if it goes more than a few more days. Nah, I have confidence the roads will be fine. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm dumb, maybe I'm naive, but I would have confidence the roads will be fine by tomorrow, maybe even like, you know, this afternoon with just how much they're probably working on them. But the snow, just like in the, you know, just at your house and everywhere else and just getting all nasty and gross and, and ruining my dog's life, that'll be here probably for the next week. So, yeah, I'm kind of braced for that. But I do think the roads will be okay uh, tomorrow. I did get a, a great. Uh, snow removal hack that my wife showed me because we have a dog that's got fur and uh, you know, well, they all have fur, but I'm saying a pretty thick coat of fur and um, you know, going out in that snow yesterday, it would get caked pretty quickly. It's like use a, it's like a egg whisker to, to get that stuff off because you try to do it with a towel or something. It doesn't come off. Uh, but you use something like that it doesn't hurt the dog and, uh, I was pretty impressed. It was kind of a MacGyver move, so I'm, I'm sure I'll be trying some of that today with our dog. An egg whisker. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, you know, use that on their paws and stuff, and it'll get the chunks of snow out. You have a wiener dog; it might not be so bad of a, a deal, but any dog that has some fur, uh, you know, deep coat on them, that's that's a problem. Uh, final thoughts, I guess. I, I will say shout out to me. I, I went to bed with some confidence. I went to bed reevaluating things, Bob, because none of my football teams, none of my football teams have, have been good good enough this year. My basketball team, the balls are good, but man, the Hawks stink. And I was like, the sports fandom stuff, I haven't really had a lot of a lot of success. But I did go to bed last night feeling like a winner and feeling like at least I was good at watching TV because my two favorite shows dominated the Emmys with the bear and succession. So at least I know how to pick a good TV show. You do. And that, yeah, that was great to see, uh, beef also, which we both talked about, um, did quite well. Also little known fact that I, I surely wasn't aware of. I didn't realize Ali Wong and, uh, Bill Hader are a, a thing. They're a relationship. I had no idea. Oh no. Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. Um, yeah, they were together last night and then, uh, yeah. And then, uh, Maddie Matheson and, uh, Evan doing the open mouth kiss at the end was, uh, was a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, that went, on, that, that went on about three seconds too long, I think. Yeah, it was, it was something, but, uh, very happy for, uh, the bear. That was, uh, that was great. And succession, great way for succession to go out and, uh, and my wife was particularly a big fan of uh, Christina Applegate coming out at the beginning. That was pretty emotional. And um, it's kind of, you know, for all of us who grew up watching her on uh, Married with Children and seeing her now, it's, it's, a, it's a little bittersweet and uh, quite a bit sad to see. But, uh, you know, just a reminder, time marches on. But it was great for her to get some, uh, some love last night on stage. Yeah, so she's battling MS, right? Is that, is that what's going on with her? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, correct. So, uh, 
But yeah, the Emmys, tip of the hat to the Emmys, they did a great job last night. They were the polar opposite of the Golden Globes. I mean, they had like rehearsed uh, reunion skits and I mean, great sets. I mean, it was, uh, that was a great, that was a great award show last night. Really enjoyed it. The parts I saw when I was pinging between that and the football game. All right, Sam, any final thoughts as we get out of here? Got nothing, honestly. Just hope we can uh, get a big win tonight. Yeah, yeah, hopefully get a big win. I imagine Russell will fire up a volunteer reaction here from the spaces, uh, here from the station account. So keep an eye on that. I'll, I'll, I'll call it a 70-30 likelihood that we are having to do this from bed again tomorrow instead of the studio, but keep an eye on our uh, personal X accounts and the station account for an update there. Bob, any final thoughts? No, just appreciate uh, people joining us today. Uh, yeah, tomorrow let's hopefully be wherever we are talking about a Tennessee win. We'll have uh, uh, the guys from RTI on tomorrow to kind of recap that game with us as well as uh, look ahead to uh, Alabama this weekend because that's uh, we talked about that with Will. That's a big game. Big, big game. They're all big at this point. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. And one way or another, we'll be we'll be talking tomorrow. Sounds good. I am going to get up the podcast if you missed any of it and you want to listen. Appreciate you guys. Talk to you tomorrow. See you. See y'all. Bye-bye.